to the first and who knows, maybe last in vino fab, 12 days of pod mess. Literally, this is 12 days of podcast series. We're going to test out for this holiday season each day in December up until the 12th day. We hope to offer short gifts and treats. This might be a book, podcast, article, idea, song list, short course, and more to fill your cup. Tonight was, I was drinking a bottle of wine and it was like, Woot Wine Presents, and then it had this funny label, which I will read in a second, that says, help yourself how to wine friends and influence palates. And then it has like a little story on the back. And I thought, oh, this is like a really like odd but interesting wine. So I Googled it, and you know like Woot is like that discount arm of Amazon? Well, they had like a wine, discount wine arm that they, yeah, that they sell wine through. So who knew? So it's like an outlet and clearinghouse? Yeah. All right. And it's good. The wine is tasty. Funny, I'm not here to endorse Bezos or Amazon, but I did renew my Amazon Prime because I wanted a couple books and a couple things Mm -hmm. um, quicker. And I'm going to have to check it out. But I blame Cheryl, who we talked with a few episodes back, the sommelier educator extraordinaire from Cornell University. And I blame her for a book I checked out at the library called The Cork Dork. It's a book about a journalist and a tech journalist in New York who decides she's going to leave that stable job behind and become a sommelier within a year. And mm-hmm. that means like extra tasting classes, tasting groups, wine courses, um, learning regions, mapping out where it's from, working on our sense of smell. And so I'm only halfway through that book now from the library. And it's just um, impressive what they have to know and be aware of to talk and share and taste and organize um, both as an individual sommelier and then as an in-house kind of wine director or, or one who manages the wine and stock of wines. So is it more the story of her experience or is it a book where you're learning how to, you know, gain some of those talents? A bit of both. So um, each chapter kind of goes into uh, her experience. So th- this is kind of like a recount of her um, life in the year of most sommeliers would spend anywhere from two to three years. And they, this is people who are already in the industry, meaning you work at a restaurant that serves wine. You might be um, a server. You might be the stock person. You might be um, an assistant to the sommelier. And you've already kind of you're in the service industry world already and this is something you want to strive for so she's doing it from like zero experience serving um and she shares everything in terms of yeah like exactly what you asked um each chapter goes into um i'll just open up this book on my my little app here but each chapter goes into essentially the process that she's going to learn so like joining a wine tasting club Um, finding a mentor who's probably an expert in the smelling, tasting, breathes it. Um, And these people are so, um, they wouldn't be buying from the Wood Club, but they're going to buy an expensive wine to try and know and taste 
a Burgundy mm-hmm. from the region. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, there are like fun facts on it, and I did earmark a few, and I just want to see if it. Yeah, it comes over. So, like, the, the book sets up into um, talking about the secret society of wine tasting and getting into this this wine clubs to knowing how to organize, what's the quality control, how do you smell, and um, what does your brain in the sense. So she does it from her experience. But there are interesting facts to, like, know, I think, within it. So, like, one secret society... Um, so they talk about... Um, the structures of wine, so how you taste wine. Like when she was tasting with the secret society, they, they said, we tasted a red from Burgundy, the pronunciation Sophia Lorraine of wine, a Chambly, as he called the crack cocaine of Chardonnay, and a Riesling he christened the face that launched a thousand ships. So it was kind of a funny like anecdote, but then they get into like the five key tasting attributes that make up the structure of a wine, sugar, acid, alcohol, tannins, and texture, also referred to as the body. So she does put in, like, what she's learning mm-hmm. education with her own experiences and tasting. So um, it's been fun to read it. And I, and I have, like, a few different places bookmarked, so I might uh, do a fun just side post on this sometime. I don't know if I could do a blind tasting. And do you really have to work up your smells and... Um, the mm-hmm. example, I think one of them was, um, let me just go back to my bookmarks here. One of them was talking about how your brain smells and they said, essentially, if you want to practice more with your brain, you should be smelling certain kinds of things on a regular basis. So, uh, what do they say to smell like lemons or cloves or, um, there's different kinds of spices that would bring out your, um, smelling abilities better. So. Interesting. I really thought I wanted to be a sommelier, actually, after talking to Cheryl. But I don't know. It's it's a. Uh, it sounds like it's gonna. It would be um, very important for you. So they talked about like how your smell needs to be refined, or how you're tasting, but not drinking everything because you'd spit it out. Otherwise, you would be drunk by um, their tastings. You should at ten in the morning, so you'd be drunk by twelve noon, and your teeth would right. be red and all that tannins. Yeah. I know um, when we talk about, uh, you know, making like an online course about, for example, wine tasting, the question that, you know, immediately comes up is like, how would people get access to that wine? So, for example, if you're taking Mm -hmm. the class, then you might have like five bottles of really top notch wine, but everybody has a glass of it. But if you're in an individual learner somewhere in the, across the globe, are you going to buy like five, it's not reasonable to buy like $500 bottles of wine that you're going to open up in one night and taste. So, you know, maybe there's some um, vineyards out there that might think about how they might package that in support of, uh, you know, creating an online course to help increase the number of people that have that knowledge. Actually, I'd say partnering with a restaurant would be better because, so an example, and I know this from local restaurants here and back home in Niagara, that if you're partnering with a restaurant that will have a bigger library of wines, so they'll have a bigger assortment of inventory. So she became, um, it's called the seller rat or the rat is figuring out wines. And when you're working within, um, 
a restaurant and with a sommelier and they are trying to teach you about this, whether you're a server, a seller rat or whatever, and you want to learn, there'll be days when vendors come in or wine distributors or whoever comes in to sell, but there'll also be, which means to taste. Um, and you'd be welcome to join on that. That would be probably like an afternoon or an early day, um, before you start working. But I think, cause you're right. Cause there's bottles of wine that sell for like, um, a 1988 Guigal Ladon is a $2,100 bottle, bottle of wine that you're not going to taste unless someone else has it open. So I think pairing with um, work, I think getting into a service industry, a, a vineyard would be fine, but you're not going to get the vast variety from one vineyard. But if you had a restaurant or something, someplace with a bigger library and inventory of wines, I think that's kind of what you really want to get into. So I will say I'm I'm fortunate that if I wanted to, and I kind of text my local Somali friend Edwin, and I said, you really do have to be either working with or have a friend in the industry that is willing to partner with you. And so a lot of these um, wannabe sommeliers that are getting ready for the exams will each bring a bottle to a tasting. And so you bring a bottle or two and you do a, a blind tasting or you talk about what you what you taste off your palate and you get feedback on what you're describing and they'd say i don't taste this or it tastes a bit more citrusy or it's got this hint of x um, spice in it i don't know but i think that's really what it is is befriend um, some of the service industry and the sommeliers in the service industry because i think that's one way to learn and i don't know if there would be a restaurant or like a chef chain of restaurants because we see some chefs having different kind of chains pop up around, at least in the U S um, their, their restaurants. Well, in the, in light of the discussion about being able to taste different tastes, so to speak in wine, I, uh, earlier tonight had been just kind of Googling around, like, you know, trying to find some interesting, like short wine stories, interesting facts about wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one story that came up um, is about, um, they call it weird and wacky wines. Okay. Uh, so I will just share a few with you because they are pretty weird and wacky. Um, one is the meteorite wine, which was bottled in, two, in 2012 and was slowly aged with a space rock that crashed to Earth 6,000 years ago. Which is actually the least strange of um, some of these because the um, other one is on the bizarre side. The wine is called the Three Penis Wine, and it is a Chinese concoction made with the genitalia of dogs, seals, and deer. And it gets even better. Mm, There is a one that is made with human feces, and it is a little-known Korean wine. Wow. So, can, can you, I ask you about this human feces? Is it made with it or is it smoked with it? It says, well, let's see. It says, topping our list of weird wines is the uber, uber obscure wine allegedly made of human feces. Mm, I'm going to have to look that one up. I'll, I'll fact check that one for the listeners because I asked this because I had this like smoked sheep dung whiskey from Iceland um, in the summer when we were there was like it's not made from the the sheep dung it's made from the smoking of it so I don't know if that's what they did yeah I don't 
yeah, there's a little write-up here about it. I'll have to dig a little deeper. They call it the poo wine. Interesting. So, well, there you have it. We can share. We can share the link in our show notes, and people can make their own decisions. Um, I'll share Cork Dork, the book by Bianca Bosker. So she wrote this. Um, this is her fueled adventure, wine fueled adventure. The obsessive sommeliers, big bottle hunters, and rogue scientists who taught her how to live for the taste. And um, I don't know if I could because she gave up certain things. You had to make sure you weren't wearing any scents, um, or you want to make sure you're tasting the right varietals. I know it seems very strict. I'd like to do it, but it seems like you have to be on a mission, especially for a year, to be a, a master taster. Yes, I think that uh, I think that's true. What do you think about these short podcasts? Tell us your 12 days of story for this In Vino Fab Podmas series. Share with us on Twitter or Instagram. Find us at In Vino Fab and post a response using hashtag In Vino Fab Podmas or hashtag In Vino Fab. And as always, you can drop us a line by email at invinofabulum at gmail.com. To stay tuned for the next InVinoFab podcast episode, please subscribe to the InVinoFab podcast wherever you listen. And remember, in wine, there's always story. InVinoFabulum.